word in church. As we talk about redemption, we're going to talk about how we see that in the book of Daniel, how we should see that in the world around us, how we can help and, and do our part in redemption, in the redemption story, but why redemption is important. Amen. We might look at the book of Daniel, we might not say, well, that's a redemption story. We might not think that. But if you look at the context of Daniel, where it fits in with everything, what's going on in, in, in the culture, in their society, in their world at that time, in their story, we can see the redemption story at play with what Daniel's talking about, what Daniel's saying. And as we read in Daniel 9, 13 through 19, I pray that it kind of just sticks out to you, the redemption story of the children of Israel, of the people of Israel. Amen. So once again, that's Daniel 9, 13 through 19. If you want to follow along in your Bible, you're more welcome to. We'll also have it up here on the screen uh, for, the, for those that want it. Uh, so we'll, let's read together here. It says, As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and, and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. And not now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name at it as it is this day. We have sinned. We have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all those around us. Now therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servants and this supplication. For the Lord's sake, Cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation. And the city which is called by your name, for we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake. My God, for your city and your people are called by your name. Daniel 9, 13 through 19. I don't know about you. I read that and I, I, I love... This is Daniel prayer, prayer, Daniel's prayer. This is him praying to God, talking to God. I mean, if you understand just a little bit of the context, this chapter begins and he says, I've read basically what Jeremiah has said. I read what he prophesied, what you gave him before we went into this captivity. And I understand that the days of this, of this disaster, the days of this tragedy, the days of this, this slavery, this bondage are coming to an end. They are nigh to an end. That's what he says at the first note. He says, I understand that I see that. Basically, he begins to go through and he makes an observation. He says, but we still got work to do. We're not who we need to be. We, we are still sinful. We are still broken. We are still messed up people. And this is coming from Daniel, which if you followed along with us, you can see that Daniel really has done well in his life and in his following God. Every time that his loyalty has been questioned, every time that he's been pulled one way away from God, he has resisted. And he has followed in the footsteps of God. He has continued to do what God has desired for him to do. But here he is. He's saying, Lord, forgive us of our iniquities, of our sins, of our trespasses, of our wrongs. We failed you. He says in one place, he says, shame is upon us for what we have done. And then we get here to this part in 13 through 19. And I love it how he begins to talk. And, and, and just how he begins to, to lay things out with God. And, and how he pleads with him and cries out to him. Basically and ultimately saying, redeem us. Redeem us. We ended up here because of our iniquities, because of what we've done, because of our faults, because of our failures. Redeem us. And that's where we get this redemption part of the book of 
of Daniel. We'll talk about more how it fits into the overarching story of the Israelites here in just a minute. But but let's take a minute. I want to talk about redemption arcs, right? Okay. One of the most common stories or story plots in in literature, movies, or media is the redemption arc, right? Redemption arc is basically a story plot or storyline where somebody starts out with bad character traits and they end up going through this arc and becoming better. They, they get rid of these flaws, they get rid of these character traits, and they become better. They, they, get, they become what they weren't. The antithesis a lot of times of what they were. If they were greedy, if they were selfish, they become generous, and they become nice and kind. We look at some major stories in, 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 in that we've read, that we've seen, or different things. You look at Ebenezer Scrooge in the Christmas Carol. He is the story of redemption arc. He started out cranky and greedy, and throughout the process, he became charitable and nice and friendly, and people began to like him. You can look at people like uh, in the Avengers. Tony Stark went through and there's a redemption arc. He started out as he was, he was an alcoholic. He had problems. He had anger issues. He, he had trust issues. And throughout the process, he becomes somebody that really does the things that nobody else would do and really helps the people that one time he probably would have turned his back on. We see these redemption arcs in stories and movies and things like that. And, and everybody has a different, maybe depending on how old you are, when you, what movies are your favorite, you'll see different redemption arcs. But we see them in stories all over the place, right? It's an important part of literature and culture. And we, we like those stories because we like the idea of seeing somebody turn things around. We like to see somebody that's starting a broken place, starting a bad situation, starting a bad uh, bad life, and then things begin to turn around for them. And then by the end of the story, things are good and everything's tied up in a nice bow and, and it comes to a nice conclusion where they're better. They're doing better. They've grown. Something's changed in their life and they're in a better place. We know it's not always like that sometimes, but we do know that God works in redemption arcs, right? We might not always think about it in this way, but the Bible is full of of redemption stories, of redemption arcs. Some people that started out in a bad place and ended up they changed and over time they became who God wanted them to be. And that's basically the story of the gospel. Is he takes people in a bad place and puts it through a redemption arc. We call it the sanctification process of different things. That we are slowly justified by the means of God and His mercy and His love. But we go through this arc where we become more of who God desires for us to be and less like who we were. Right? And the Bible's full of them. We don't call them redemption arcs, but that's what it is. In, in, in essence, that's what it is in a literary sense. And we see that in the book of Daniel, right? We don't see it from one individual. Daniel starts out in a good place, and he, he ends in a good place. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they start out in a pretty good place, like we talked about in the first week, but and they ended up in a pretty good place. They go through the fiery furnace, and they come out, and Nebuchadnezzar trusts them and says, Hey, I get it. I see that your God is powerful. They go through. There's not really that redemption arc with them. But what we can see overarching is that this is a redemption arc of the people of Israel. The people of Israel. And though we don't see the conclusion in the book of Daniel, we know that the conclusion does come through the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. We've talked about those before in previous years. Daniel is talking about the Babylonian captivity. Well, Ezra and Nehemiah is talking about the people's journey back to Jerusalem. One sets up the temple, the other one goes back and builds the walls. And that's their redemption story. It's all three parts coming together to create this redemption arc. But that's where we see this redemption story for the Israelite people. Now, this isn't the only time they go through a quote-unquote redemption arc, right? They went through it here with the Babylonians, but they did it time and time again 
where they would end up in a bad place. They were worshiping false gods. They were doing things that they shouldn't do. They were offering <coughs> sacrifices to gods that they shouldn't. They had forsaken the ways of God. They, they, different times they'd lost the, the book of the law and the book of Moses. They, they'd forsaken these things and walked away from them. And then they'd go into some captivity or uh, some other tribe or some other nation or some other empire. And, and they would come to this redemption ark where God would work on them. He would send a, a judge maybe or he would send a prophet to, to speak truth and, and speak uh, honestly to them and tell them, hey, this is what's going on. This is the wrong that you've done. This is the things that you need to change. They would become redeemed through what God was working in their life. And they would have that redemption arc. And then another generation or two would come and they would go through the same thing. They would go through these, these arcs, ebbs and flows kind of thing. And we see that time and time again. Of God redeeming His people and delivering them from the, the bad place that they were in just for them to mess up and sin and come short in the next generation to not care about Him. And to not trust Him and not to follow Him. And to do things that are displeasing to God. But the Bible is full of redemption arcs. And if we look at our own life, I pray that we can see those arcs as well. That we can see that we started in a rough place or a bad place. Some of us worse than others. Some of us may have started our redemption story in in, in addiction, right? To, to some kind of alcohol or some kind of narcotic or some kind of drug of, of choice. We started off in a bad place. Maybe some of us started off in a place where we were just full of greed and always angry. Maybe some of us, we just, you know, we just weren't doing what God wanted us to. We were a good person, but we weren't who God wants to be. But we all start our stories someplace. And ultimately, we go through this redemption story if we allow God to do it. And that's the thing about these redemption stories in, in literature and movies and stuff. The person has to be willing to change. The person has to be willing to allow the, who, if it's somebody that's over them trying to help them, if it's situations or whatnot that's trying to, to mold them. But we have to allow God to redeem us and to work in us. And I pray that everybody here has went through their redemption story, that they've been redeemed, they're continuing to be redeemed, that God has continued to work on you and mold you and make you into the person that you need to be, that He desires for you, but that you started that journey. Right? But we understand there's a lot of people that haven't. We understand there's a lot of people out in the world that maybe we're related to, maybe we, we live with, or maybe we live next to, or that we're fa- family with, that we work with, that, that have not begun this redemption journey. And here's where we get to Daniel, right? He sees this, and he recognizes, my redemption story, it's gone. I feel like I'm working for God, serving God, doing what I'm supposed to. But I look out and I see our people, we still need to be redeemed. And he, he prays for their redemption arc. Well, let's take a second. I, I want to look and talk about the parallels, right? The parallels that we can see here, okay? And what I'm talking about is basically we, we, we look at what Daniel's doing. Think about what Daniel's doing. Daniel read Scripture, and that Scripture foretold of a deliverance from a disastrous situation that his people were in. That's what he, he basically says. He says, I read, I read what Jeremiah the prophet wrote, and it says that we'll be delivered. They're coming nigh. But he says, I look around, and the disaster's still here. The problem's still here. The issues are still here. The, the sin is still here. The wrongs are still here. It's still a bad situation. It's still a bad place. And even though the Scripture has told us, hey, you know, that this, this, this thing is coming, this, delivering is, this deliverance is coming, there's still problems, Daniel says. Now think about our life. We know from Scripture... Ours we take from Daniel and Revelation mostly um, that the end is coming, that there's a deliverance coming, that God is delivering His people. So we, we understand that there's a parallel there with what Daniel goes to. But we also can look at our situation, our life in the world around us, and realize that we are in a a disastrous state. Now I'm not saying I'm not going to be the one that says that hey we're in the worst time of the world. I don't know. I read history and there's been some pretty dark times, right? 
There's been some pretty dark places, but I, that doesn't take away that there's a lot of evil and a lot of bad things going on in our culture, in our society, in our world today. Right? And that's still true. I mean, we can look around, we can see war and violence are prevalent. It's all around, right? We see it in, in our news, we read it in the paper, we, we, we hear about it all the time, whether it's over in Europe right now, or we see it in the Middle East a lot, and, and there's worries about over in China and Taiwan and places like that. There's, there's war and there's violence. You know, that's not pleasing to God. That's not what God desires. That's, that's disastrous, right? We can read about hunger and disease. You, you look, I can't remember where it was, but over in Africa, they're going into a drought state where there's, there's a famine and there's drought. There's no food. There's no water. And, and people are starving and, and dying because of this. You read about all kinds of things where people are sick. I mean, we've got, you know, whatever it is going on right now. It's disease and sickness are prevalent. They're relevant throughout all of society, all of culture. If you're older, if you're young, if you come from America, if you're from some other place, disease is something you have to deal with, that you have to face, that you see. These are things that are disastrous. These are things that aren't good. These are things that we don't we don't like. We talked. About, I talk, was talking to somebody about it earlier today. We we look at things, and a big thing that's going on now that's coming more and more to light each day is like sexual slavery and abuse and those kind of things that are that are going on. And then you might think, well, that's other places, but it happens in America every day. And those things are tragic stories, awful stories that we hear about. We, you know, domestic abuse. That's something that we've been talking about with the church as a church in the past couple of days. It's things like that that are happening that are sad, that are tragic, but it's a disastrous state. And there's many other things that are going on that are just displeasing to God, that, that forsake and turn and, and, and just are not what God desires for mankind and His creation that go on each and every day. And, and it is called a disaster or tragic or whatever, but it fits what Daniel's talking about. He's saying, I know that this, the Scripture, that the Word that God has given Jeremiah says that we're about to be delivered. But man, everything around us is still tragic. It's disastrous. Bad things are still happening. And we can fit into that place. Yes, I, I can't stand up here and tell you that, that Christ is coming back in a few years. I don't know that. Nobody knows that. If they, somebody gets up and tells you and gives you a date and an hour, then don't believe it. Because the Bible says no man knows. Not even Christ Himself. Only God the Father knows. I don't know. It could be my lifetime, other lifetimes. It could be a hundred years from now. I'm not sure, but I do know He's coming back. The Bible tells us that. Scripture tells us that. And I do know that the world is, is sinful. The Bible tells us that. It says it will always be sinful. Since Adam and Eve first you know, went against God and disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, sin became prevalent and relevant throughout all of life, and it has continued to. Through sin came death, and those things will always be there. We'll always have to face those. It might show itself and reveal itself in different ways throughout history and throughout society and throughout times, but it is always going to to be there, right? You might say, well, this is all sad and this is all mopey and this is nothing, there's nothing good about this. But the truth is, is that Daniel looked at his life, looked at this situation, and he's like, deliverance is coming, but it's bad right now. It's bad right now, God. And I pray that you, you, would, you would see this situation, see where we're at, and that you would redeem us. And just like Daniel had that hope and faith in that God could redeem them, so should we. That we can look at the situation, that we can look at the bad stuff, and, and what we what we see, and that, that goes against the Word, and goes against God. Not the things that we don't like, but things that just really truly are against the Scripture of God, and we can look at that. And we know that Jesus Christ is coming back. And yes, we are excited for that day, but we can see God redeem people still today. Still in this life, and still in this world. So what is our part in redemption, Right? 
Like I said, I pray that we've all have started our redemption story, that we are being redeemed by Christ, we've surrendered, we've submitted to Him, we've given our hearts and life to Him, we've invited Him in to live in our life and to, to lead us and to guide us and to mold us and to make us into who He desires for us to be. Right? I pray that that is all of our, our stories up to this point in our life. Like I said, again, there's many people that have not started this, that have not asked God to redeem them, that have not sought redemption from Christ, that have not made those steps or invited Him in or asked for forgiveness that need to be redeemed. So what is our process? What is our steps? What are we to do in those situations? What can we do when we see the world around us needing to be redeemed? You know, and everybody's got different ideas or different opinions on what a, tr- a church is supposed to do, what a Christian is supposed to do. But why don't we look what Scripture says that we're supposed to do? And we can look at verse 13 of Daniel, 9, uh, Daniel chapter 9, and we can see what Daniel thinks that Christians should do for to help other people be redeemed but by saying what they weren't doing, all right? So verse 13 says, As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Right? So he's saying basically what we should have been doing this whole time is we should have made our prayer before the Lord our God. Basically he says we've had 70 years. We should have been doing this already. But, you know, we can't be late to the party, but we're going to start now. Made our prayer before the Lord our God. Turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Right? Made our prayers before our Lord our God. Turn from our iniquities. Understand your truth. So he says, how can we, how can he, and that's what he's basically getting to, what can I do to help my friends, my family, the ones that I came over with from Jerusalem, the ones that I've been going through the same struggles with over here, the ones that I feel I'm away from home just like they are, what can I do to help them find redemption, to help them see the need to be redeemed. And this is what he kind of points out. This is what, what he kind of narrows it down to is that he should be praying, he should turn from his own iniquities, and then he should help other people turn from their iniquities, and that he should understand God's truth. Right? We've talked about this before. But as Christians, when we look at the world around us, when we look at things that are going on, like we talked about, when we look at the war and violence, when we look at hunger and disease and famine and all these things and drought. When, when we look at, at, at all kinds of atrocities that are happening with sexual abuse and slavery and, and, and domestic abuse and issues like that in our culture. When we, when we look at addiction that, that runs rampant in, in, in rural communities in America, Appalachian Mountains and stuff like that. When we look at these things and other things that are, that are just not according to what God desires for His people, what God desires for His creation, what is, how does it move us? How does it make us feel? What does it do within us when we see those things? When Daniel, he maybe he looked up from his place, his room in the in the in the palace, and looked out and maybe interacting with other people, and he saw these things going on. He saw the same shame that they carried upon him. He saw their iniquities, and 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 what he ends up doing, he came to this place and we book uh, Daniel nine, and he begins to cry out to God. Not just a simple cast-off prayer, but a, a prayer where he prays from his from the depths of his heart that God would work in this situation because it means something to him. It has moved him. It has shaken him. It has made him. It is it has saddened him to see the situation that he's in. And do we have that same kind of moving in our life when faced and see the sin of the world and sin of society and sin of culture and see people that are lost and dying and going to hell? What does it do to us? How does it move us? The Bible talks about multiple places, how, how Jesus 
desires for all people to know Christ and to go to heaven and to and to not have to go to hell. He, he desires for, for these things to be done away with. That this is not the way He created the world. He didn't create it for there to be hunger and violence and sin and shame and all these things. That it saddens Him to see these things. And we too as Christians should be broken hearted to to see these things that are happening to people out in the world, to see people that are turning away from God that don't want anything to do with them, to see people that are abused and treated awful and treated with ill effect and and without any care of the world for their life and and for what their meaning is and that they're a creation of God. When we see these things, it should break our heart. It should should sadden us. But the sad truth is, is that oftentimes we see it so much. We see it so much that it just really doesn't move us, it doesn't shake us, it doesn't sadden us like it used to. We become, we just become dull to it, dumb to it. Because we see it all the time, right? We think, man, how can this how can ever change? How can this get any better? It's just the way life is. We just have to figure out how to deal with it or go through life with it. But that's not what Daniel decided. He looked at the situation and like, man, this is bad. But he didn't say, well, I'm just going to be okay with it. He didn't say, well, it's just the way it is. But he got down on his knees and he prayed about it. He talked to God. He said, basically he said, I'm going to make my prayers before the Lord our God. I'm going to talk to Him about what I see. I'm going to talk to Him about the atrocities and the iniquities and the shame that is in the world around me. I'm going to talk about them to my friends that I pass along the street. And I'm going to tell the Lord to help them to redeem them, to let them see that they need redemption. Help them to see their iniquities and turn from that way. Help them to understand your truth. But do, does it matter to us like it should? I think a lot of times in life, and I don't know what it is, if it's just something that's been developed throughout culture and society over generations, we just really care about our own life sometimes. We're just like, let me deal with what I've got to deal with and everything else can take care of itself, right? We don't think of anything. We, we just Because we got a lot on our own place. I get that. we got a lot of stuff going on in our own lives. I get that. But man, our concern, we are put here on this life and saved by the wonderful mercies and love of Jesus Christ. And we should, and that Holy Spirit within us cries out whenever it sees the sin and the hurt of the world, cries out when it sees people in need of redemption but not knowing who Jesus Christ is and have rejected any kind of pleading from people. It cries out when it sees people that it, when we know that people are going to die and go to hell, we should be moved. Daniel just doesn't say, well, that's just them. And let them take care of themselves, and I'll take care of myself. He doesn't say, well, I'm in a good place, Lord. I'm doing okay. I've been obedient to you, Lord. Let everybody else figure out what they need to do themselves. He goes and he cries out to God. Prays that the Lord would work in their life, that He would redeem them, that He would show them, that He would help them come to a place where they turn away from their evil ways, that they return to God. And I want those things for, for my family. Amen. I have, I have family that's lost and going to hell. I have people in my life that need redemption. I, I look at our society and I, I look at people that I come across and, and, and just the way they're acting and, and, and the way they talk. It's like, man, my, my soul wants them to know Jesus. And I meet people and begin to have conversations. They talk about how they don't. They're not a Christian or that Christian stuff or that religion stuff's not for them. And, and I pray, I want their redemption to come. I want them to know Jesus. Do we want those things for other people? 
When we look at the tragedies and the sadness in the world, we look at the way that the influence and the impact that sin is having in culture and society each day, for not just for me and my four and this our little community, but for everybody in the world around us, does it move us? Does it mean anything to us? Or is that just another headline on the news? Is it just another story that's going to come and that's going to go with the next news cycle? Or is it something that really, really, really compels us to do something about it? I can't change anything on my own. Gilbert can't change anything on his own. Melissa or Megan or any of us. Just on our own power and ability, I can't go out and build bridges. I can't go out and fix things. I can't go out and change society. I can't go out and feed people that are hungry. I can't make water come forth from the ground to help places that are in famine and in drought. I can't do those things, right? But I can talk to a God who can. And I think so often that as churches and as Christians, we've forgotten that God can do something about the situations that we see. I know as a child, and even now today, with Christmas coming up and everything, you know, if, I, if there's something that I want, I don't just mention it once. I didn't just mention it once as a child. Every day I would bring it up and say, remember, I want this for Christmas. I want this for Christmas. I would go to the store and I would say, I don't want just any of this. I want this specific one. This one. It has to have the orange. It can't be blue. It has to be this, it has to be this big. I don't want the little mini one. I want the full-size one, Mommy. I want this one. It has to be. And I would show it and I would bring it up again and again and again because I wanted it. It meant something to me to see my request fulfilled so I went to every extent I could to make sure my parent, the one that would provide it, knew what it was that I wanted. Do we have that same kind of zeal when we bring things to God? Do we have that same kind of desire? Do we show that same kind of tenacity when we bring things to God? Do we remind Him and go to Him day in and day out saying, Lord, This is the redemption I want to see. This is the salvation I want to see. This is the way that I want you to work. Lord, I saw in the news today that there's families over in Sudan or wherever it is that are thirsting and that are hungry. Provide for them. Nourish them. Lord, I saw in the news the other day a house burned down. My heart breaks for that family. Provide for them. Help them get through this situation. Or does it just go in our mind and we see it and it's out the door the next thing we know? Because there's so much stuff going on. I pray that we as Christians we as Christians take our prayer life seriously. That we as Christians recognize that we are crying out to a God who can do something amazing when it feels like we can do nothing. That no matter what we are facing, no matter what we are seeing, no matter what atrocities are happening in our society, God can do something about those things. God can feed the hungry because He made five, fed 5,000 off of a few loaves and a few fishes. He can bring forth water because He's the Creator of water. He brought down rain for 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible said, whenever the ark, whenever Noah was in the ark. He can make it come. And we need to understand that He is powerful. And we need to cry out with Him with a purpose and with intention and believing that He can do great and abundantly more than we could ever desire or think. That's been on my heart more than anything lately, is that God can do more than I could ever dream of. More than I could even ask. But we need to come to God. Cry out to God. Take it seriously. 
Now Daniel, he saw everything going on. He's like, well, I'm fine. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, us boys here in the palace, we're fine. Deliverance comes when deliverance comes, but we're doing okay here. No. He saw the brokenness of the ones that are outside his door. He saw this, the ones that were that were still in sin and still creating, or, or following these iniquities and doing things that God wasn't desiring of them to do. And he said, redeem them, Lord. Let them see your goodness. Redeem them. And I pray that you go through and... and, and Chapter 9, after this, he goes on and he talks about some prophecy and stuff about the end of times. But, but most of chap, chapter 9 is talking about this prayer that he has for his people. A prayer that he has for his people. What is the prayer that you pray for your neighbor? What is the prayer that you pray for your coworker? What is the prayer that you pray for that lost person in your community? that maybe does things and the whole community gets upset at them, but, but you know they're lost. You know they need redemption. What is the prayer that you pray for for people that you see on the news that are committing <coughs> sins and doing things that, that you know aren't pleasing to God? What is the prayer that you pray for people in third world countries that are going through tragedies and, and going through sickness and disease and hunger and all these things that, that we don't have to deal with as much here? What is the prayer that you pray for, for children that, that don't have parents? What do you pray, what's the prayer that you pray for the women and the, and the children and the men that are taken into sexual bondage and slavery and traffic that way? What is the prayer that you pray for those that are hurting? And we'd like to really quickly get to and say, Lord, help everybody in the world. I get that, you know. I mean, but just as Daniel, we talked about last week, created this habit that three times a day he went and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And he prayed 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 and he prayed. He prayed every day, three times a day. He might have prayed more. We don't know. But that's the habit that he had, to pray three times a day. What is the prayer that you pray for your family that's lost? What is the prayer that you pray for those that are dying and going to hell? What is the prayer that you pray for the ones in our community that are stricken with addiction to narcotics and drugs and alcohol? What is the prayer that you pray for the woman that's being abused, for the family that's about to go through a divorce, for the children that's living with aunts and uncles and passed back and forth? What is the prayer that you pray? Because prayer does change things. Talking to God does change things. And we look at the world, it's like, man, there's so much bad that we should be praying a whole lot more than we should, we are. Yeah. And we look at what's going on in news cycle after news cycle, they don't even stick on the same story for the whole day anymore because something else comes up that they got to report about. There's enough for us to pray about if we never we lifted our eyes up again and eat a meal. We could pray constantly about what's going on. But what do we pray about? We pray about what's important to us. That's the honest truth. We pray about what's important to us. And each and every soul that's lost and dying going to hell is important, should be important to us. Each and every child that wakes up hungry and goes to bed hungry should be important to us. Each and every woman that's, that's going through abuse or man that's going through abuse should be important to us. God didn't create this world the way that we see it today. Sin has, has, destructed, has destroyed it, has, has made it into something that God didn't desire. But He wants to, and He will one day recreate it. New heaven, new earth, the Bible tells us. But while we're here, we should pray and care about the things that are important to God. And we should cry out to God about them. With power and with significance. Not just to throw off prayer, but really crying out to God for these things. And I'm thankful that there's people that have prayed for me. 
people that prayed for me in my ministry. There's been people that prayed for me while I was sick. There's been people that's prayed for, for me and Tara whenever we were about to have Harper and we were going through some things. And, and I'm thankful and grateful for every prayer that I've had. And, and I, I know if it wasn't for those prayers that I, I don't, you know, I probably wouldn't be in the exact same situation I was in. But just the way that prayer helps those that we know, we can help those that we don't know. Just the way that prayer help works in our situation, it can work in somebody else's situation. Just the way that prayer has an impact on, on our families and our communities, it can have an impact on other people's families and communities. And there's people all over the world that doesn't have family to pray for them. That doesn't have family to lift up them to, in, to God in prayer. That doesn't have people that care. We should be those people. We as Christians should be moved by the hurt and the pain that we see. We as Christians should be moved by the sin that we see in the world. We as Christians, when we recognize, hey, that person's lost. It's not just that they're lost, and that's just the end of it. There's eternal consequences about that. And that should move us to pray for that person. What do you pray about? What is your daily prayer? What do you pray about? Daniel prayed for his people. Some that he knew and some that he didn't know. Some that mean something to him and some that really didn't. Didn't have any kind of impact or consequence on his life. He still prayed for him. Even though his situation was pretty good, he prayed for those whose situation wasn't as good. Even though he was living a life that was pleasing to God, he prayed for those that weren't. Because it meant something to him. Because he knew it's what God desired. He knew that God wanted to see the redemption. He knew that God wanted to see the change. He knew that God wanted to see them come back to him. We should pray with that same desire. That same zeal. That same passion. And I pray that we, we that God inspires within us and shows us the areas and situations, the people, the families, the circumstances that He wants us to, to lift up, to pray about. The redemption that He wants us to seek. The part that we play in people's redemption story is that we can pray for them. We can talk to them. We can love them. We can show them the love of God. But if it doesn't matter to us, we're never going to do that. We've got to get to the point where in our mind and in our heart, as Christians, somebody else's salvation is just as important as ours. That somebody else's well-being is just as important as ours. Because look at what Jesus, the life that Jesus lived. Jesus cared more about other people's well-being, other people being fed, other people being okay, other people making it to heaven, than He cared about anything for Himself. We need to, as Christians, must, Come to that same mentality, same process, same way of thinking. That we care just as much about our neighbor as we do ourselves. As the stranger as we do ourselves. I love the story where Jesus tells him, and I want to get it wrong a little bit, but he says, I was naked and you clothed me, I was hungry and you fed me, I was in jail and you came and visited me and, and, and everything. And they said, Lord, when did we do all these things? And surely there was probably some Pharisee or somebody over there. When did Jesus go to jail? I should have, I should have seen that. You know, I could have, we could have used that against him. But he says, what you've done to the least of my brethren, you've done unto me. What you've done to the least of your brethren, you've done unto me. And we need to be mindful of that, of what's important to us. Because what's important is what we'll pray about, what we'll sacrifice for, what we'll serve for, what we'll do do things differently for. Well, it matters what's important to us. And are people really important to us? Are the lost really important to us? Are the hungry really important to us? Are the 
the abused and the hurt really important to us? Are the little children really important to us? Are the elderly really important to us? Who's important to us? They're all important to Jesus. And they also be important to us. Amen. But I pray that you hear this. We listen to this. We, we hear it. We read what Daniel has said in, in his prayer. And I pray that you are compelled and that you're challenged to change the way you approach prayer. That you don't just pray for what you need and, your, and what's going on in your life, but you realize that your prayers can have impact for people that you've never met, that you've never seen, that we should be moved and challenged and look at the situations and the hurt that other people are going through and that we should desire to pray and lift them up to God as well. That we should seek the redemption of others just as much as we sought our own redemption. That that should be just as important to us as us getting to heaven. Because it's as important to Jesus that Estel gets there or Gilbert gets there or I get there as the alcoholic on the side of the street down the road gets there or the person that's going through a bad marriage gets there or the person who's an atheist that says there is no God gets there. It's all important to him. And it all should be important to us. And that should be reflected in our prayer life. In our interaction with people. Amen. If there's a point, and one thing I want you to take away, as Christians, we should, we should seek the redemption of those that are lost and in sin. And our prayers and actions should reflect that desire. Our prayers and actions should reflect that desire. Amen.